Before we get to this week's podcast, I want to tell you about Digiday Plus, our premium membership product, which gets you the Digiday magazine and a steady stream of exclusive research about the industry. You'll also get to be a part of our Digiday Plus Slack community and exclusive events. We recently did a live podcast with Lindsay Nelson, CMO of Vox Media, and we're doing more of those. Our next event is in January with Bleacher Report. If you're a member, please stay tuned for more information. And if you're not, please sign up. It's only $3.95 a year. And for our podcast listeners, that's you. We have a discount. Enter the code PODCAST at checkout and get 10% off. To learn more, go to digiday.com and you'll see the Digiday Plus tab on top. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sango, and this week we're bringing you three sessions from the Digiday Marketing Summit we held last week in Nassau, Bahamas. We kicked off the summit with this keynote session from Dana Strukowski, who is the Global Social Media Director at McDonald's, and she talked about how to influence social branding across the globe. I'm Dana Strakowski. I am the Global Director of Social Media Excellence at McDonald's. I'm fairly new. I've only been there for five and a half months, so I'm basically building the car while I'm driving it. So I'm going to take you along my journey and um, tell you a little bit about it. Before I was at McDonald's, I was at Coca-Cola, uh, a couple Coca-Cola representatives over there. And the big difference from moving from Coke to McDonald's was in Coca-Cola, I was on the market side. So I was North America. And we were focused specifically on like activations that were hitting the market and customer facing. Whereas for McDonald's, I'm on the global side, so it's a little bit different. But Coca-Cola and McDonald's have a lot in common, whereas Coca-Cola has the bottlers. McDonald's has like franchisees. So it's, you don't have con control on everything that you're putting out to the market, which is really interesting. But they're also in bed together, so they work very well. Um, so, you know, McDonald's is a very old company. We have a lot of history, founded in 1955. Um, we are located in the burbs in, outside of Chicago in Oak Brook, and we're actually having a big digital transformation now. We're moving downtown. I don't know how many of you know Chicago, but the West Loop area is a really hot and up-and-coming place. Oprah's old studios, Harper Studios, used to be there, and that's where we bought their property, knocked it down, and are building a new state-of-the-art complex for all of McDonald's. Not just global, but US, global, and IT. Right now, we have three different buildings in the suburbs. So just kind of talking about how we have all this history, and we're trying to make this big transformation. Um, you know, all the restaurants we have across the globe, there's about 14,000 in the US. Here's some numbers that you can kind of take a look at. Um, the digital transformation started about last year. We had a new CEO that came in, Steve Easterbrook, in 2015. He's been guiding that along the way. It's really taken, taken form over this past year. Um, like I said, the move and everything like that. But it's a really big push um, to become one of the digital leading brands across uh, the globe. One of our biggest mottos is making delicious feel-good moments um, easy for everyone. And you kind of get that feeling when you watch our commercials on TV, hopefully when you see all the digital touch points online, and just the tone of voice across the globe when we have all of our advertising out for, the, for everyone to see. So three of our big focuses is digital, 
delivery experience of the future. Um, digital, as I mentioned, we have a global mobile app that just launched, um, which is a really big deal. They um, are doing very successfully. Can't really give numbers yet, but um, across all of our large markets, and it's a really big push for everyone to download the app, the usage. There's a big CRM push for next year as well. We don't have um, a loyalty program across, across the globe yet, but a lot of the different markets do have loyalty that they, um, that they use within the markets. Delivery. I'm not sure how many of you know this, but um, you can now order McDonald's through Uber Eats. Has anyone tried that? All right, got a couple. That's good. So it, <laughs> that's not guilty. That's good. Uh, it's convenience. Um, as he was saying over there earlier, he wants to just tell Alexa or um, Siri or someone, just say, hey, I want McNuggets, and then them to order it through um, Uber Eats and have it delivered to his house just by saying it out loud. That's the future. So McDelivery, that's what we call it, which was amazing. Um, it launched in July. It was right after I started, so <laughs> I didn't really have the whole preparation for it, but I've been kind of monitoring it as it's gone along, and it's been evolving, and um, we've launched it across almost all the markets. Um, and it's, I don't know how much you know about when you go into a store um, and how much you spend there, versus if you order something online, um, the bill tends to be a little bit bigger when you order um, delivery. So it was really good for our business, and we're still doing a big push in it. We have a next year um, phase two that's happening in the process, so keep you posted. You might have seen some of the cool swag <laughs> that we threw out there. Um, Chrissy Teigen wore some, um, Amy Schumer. We had like these onesies. It was a little bit gimmicky, but it was fun. And it was a um, Canada. It did really well in Canada, actually. So they launched a phase two where people just really wanted all the swag, and we ran out. <laughs> but experience of the future is the other thing. So that's a whole digital push too, where um, it depends what location you are in. But all of McDonald's, again, for a little history, the franchisees. So McDonald's owns about 20% of McDonald's across the globe. The number is actually going down lower, but. Um, franchisees own the rest and they run the rest. So Experience of the Future has a different, I guess, pace in different markets across the globe. So you'll see, you might see digital menu boards rolling out. Um, I actually went to the McDonald's here in the Bahamas, the two-story one. I don't know if you saw it downtown when you were driving in. We went by last night. It was just interesting to see they have it just felt really old school, but you know, it's a smaller market, but they had like just regular Digital, not digital boards, regular boards, just listing different um, products that they have. They're visual, but it's the old setup with like one counter, whereas now we're moving more towards the McCafe push, split counter. You're going to have um, kiosks where you don't have to interact with people and give your order, which a lot of people were concerned that it was going to take jobs away. It's not. They're changing up the uh, positioning of it. So basically, you're going to be interacting with people who serve your food. So it's a different look for McDonald's. Um, it's um, different phases are rolling out, so it's really exciting that that's a big push for our digital. So we had a breakdown before that was time zone based. So our main um, headquarters are in Oak Brook, and we had two others that were based in London and Singapore. Um, it worked for a little while, but again, with this whole transformation, they realized that all markets were not created equally. So they had to do a little bit of research and figure out where different markets sat in regards to mostly sales and advancements, money, 
um, employment, things like that. And because they did that valuation, they ended up changing it to a more segment organizational structure. This was, I think, implemented last year. And it makes sense, the way they structure them together, is more commonalities. So the US is about 40% of our business, if you can imagine. Like I said, about 14,000 stores across the US. Then we have international lead markets. Those are um, another 40% of the business. And then you have the high growth and foundational. And that's the rest of the 20%. So the international lead markets um, outside of the US are Canada, UK, France, Germany, and Australia. So those are the markets. If you can imagine that if you move the needle a little bit with them, then it makes a huge impact. But the smaller markets, like maybe Singapore, Israel, or places like that, if you move the needle with them, it might be a big impact locally, but overall business, it's not as high impact. So coming back to my team as a global team and working with the markets, it's just interesting to figure out how to space your time because the foundational markets, these below, um, the foundational markets are having, have the most amount of markets within that group, and they want everything. Latin America's a part of it, like they want it all. They want, they, they, they're not really advanced when it comes to social media, so you can start with the basics. However, spending the most time on them isn't as beneficial. But when you go to the US, we have um, a huge agency. DDB created an agency just for McDonald's called We Are Unlimited. So they have about 300 people just on the US business. So you can imagine they don't need necessarily as much from a global team, more so a relationship building and connecting with other markets across the globe. So it's a nice balance that we have to strike. So our social media team. So the reason they hired me and I created my team with us was to um, break down silos. When you're in a global, well, actually any company, you can imagine, large companies, that silos are across the world, like across, across the company. So marketing might not talk to digital, digital might not talk to corpcom. Um, you know, everyone just kind of works in their own silo and head forward doing their own thing. It even is a little bit more intense when it comes to a global organization. So you have the global side where everyone is working you know, heads down, but then you have the other markets. So coming from North America, Coca-Cola, I understood that we just focused on what we were doing in the US. I didn't really care what Italy was doing. I didn't really care what France was doing. But now my job for McDonald's is to make them care, which is a really big challenge. They never had that before at McDonald's. They kind of just work on their own, but it's something they kind of want, but it's also they don't want to go out of the way and they might not necessarily know who to talk to. So one of the tasks I was um, asked to do was to build relationships with all these teams. So within our function of social media team, we have marketing, listening, and engagement, which kind of the basics, you could break it down. Um, mostly overseeing the marketing side. So that includes, you know, Setting the global strategy across the globe, um, best practices, social navigation, the consultation, like I said, is mostly um, having to do with the, the larger markets, ad hoc requests, like Germany reached out, let's say, to ask how they can better target teens and tweens on Instagram. Great, let's help you out with that. Um, we also have, um, you know, we have, um, there's a lot of education. So with the foundational markets, that's where that comes in. And ensuring brand harmony. So making sure everything across the board just works and sounds like McDonald's, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Singapore, whether you're in Spain. 
Um, the listening side of things, we have a command center in our hub. Um, and we also have command centers in different markets across the globe as well. And we're evolving that to be a more of not just a showcase, which it was before, but more of a dig deep into insights and interacting more with our consumer business insights team. And engagement, that's a big thing. Trying to make, I think one, we were saying it best at one point um, internally, it was turn the haters into lovers. So yes, we're not um, an airline. We're not a hotel chain. You don't need emergency to respond right away, but as we all know, on social media, people expect responses more often. So our, we just re-shift, I guess we shifted our engagement process, starting with the US, and changed companies that we're working with, and amplifying that, whereas maybe we're engaging before with about 5% of the people talking to us, now we're trying to amp it up to 75, 90, we'll see, it'll take some time, but that's a big focus as well. So global communications. It is a lot to think about when you're approaching different markets, because you have to understand what their needs are. They're all different, though it does ladder up to a brand purpose. So we have different elements that I've kind of researched. Basically, the way I took, took it in, into mind was a slow roll into it. Um, there have been people in the past who have forced themselves into the markets, and it has been a little conflicting. Um, the best advice I got was just to talk to them, hear them out, say, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? What are you working on? So it's more like an internal consultative service in a way on the global side. So started off by talking, splitting up the markets with my team and talking about um, talking to the leaders and finding out what their objectives are, what they're working on. And we've been doing some deep dive research on trying to figure out how we best can help them. And then I took that information and figured out different ways of communication. So one of the big ones, as I mentioned before, for the foundational markets, you don't want to spend too much time, but an easy way that we can affect them is I, we created a digital resource center where we have all the basic social media documents um, from best practices on Twitter to crisis management on Facebook um, to engagement protocol, anything that has to do with the basics that we all know and love. Uh, some of the markets don't really have that yet, but they can be there. So it's supposed to be a place where they can go in and take as needed. Um, also, when I continue conversations with them and my team continues conversations, we're asking them, you know, what do you need? So that special request from like France is not on uh, France is not on Twitter. So saying, you know, how can we help you figure out how to be on Twitter? I said, well we are worried about a crisis or something that could occur. So, okay, let me do some research, figure out how we can you know, manipulate the conversation that it sounds like Twitter is a good idea. So all these requests that are coming in, they're also gonna sit in the Digital Resource Center for them to see at any time um, for any market to access. Also the over-communication. So there's been a lot of communication. When you have a global team, every team who's working on different elements of the business are talking to different markets. So they wanted to try to streamline it into one person or group communicating. So it's trying to create those relationships with all the teams. We have platform updates. I have a, we have a bi-weekly platform update start sending out. And you don't want to oversaturate it. So it's finding that good balance. Um, and this is a big one that a lot of the markets asked for was case studies. So understanding what the markets are doing really well, and even failures. You know, if they launch McDelivery in Austria and something happened because of 
what their communications with Uber Eats or whatever they did there. We want to know about that so we can share with the other markets as protocol and saying, hey, watch out for this. Or something does really well, like National French Friday in Canada, they did a great job with their execution there. Let's put together a case study, figure out how we can share it out. So I'm trying to do, um, I guess, a monthly case study share out for McDonald's within McDonald's, and then also looking at the QSR industry. So, of course, like what Burger King is doing or Wendy's or things like that. And then outside the industry, which a lot of people I feel like don't think about. They get stuck in their, again, own world, in their own business, in their own industry. So let's see what Marriott's doing. How about Nike? You know, looking at those brands, what are they doing that's innovative in the field? And how can we relate it back to our business and learn from it and figure out something that we might be able to do that would be maybe similar or something different, but that can influence our customers in the same kind of way. Um, also working on a tone of voice marketing workshop, which again, is, it's interesting because some markets are more advanced than others. So trying to feel out what markets need that and create that consistency across the globe. It's, it, it's, they're all different levels, and that's one of the big tasks that I've taken on to try to, at least within their um, groups, like the ILMs and the High Growth Foundational, trying to get everyone around the same level um, and figuring out how we can help them do that with um, a workshop, possibly. And then Global Social Council, which is interesting. We're uh, just connecting with all the leads across the globe as well. It's more like those case studies and share outs and talking and hopefully having two in person so people can get to know each other, understand what they want to talk about. Hey, you know, I have that issue too. Let's, let's figure it out. Um, so things like that are really helpful. Um, so that's the, the market side. But then we also, like I said in the beginning, you have the silos within your own organization for global. So we have different groups such as family marketing, the menu team, digital, consumer insights, CM, CRM, media, the brand team. There's so many different parts as you have in every organization within each market. And then our global function has each of those centralized units as well. So on top of the relationship building with the markets across the globe, you have the relationships with people inside our global team. So how can we help family marketing across the globe in a big initiative. Well, what kind of Happy Meal toys do they like? Um, what is being talked about in France? What kind of toys? Um, how about the menu team? How are our core menu items doing? If they have a test item in Germany for um, a hot dog, how did that do with consumers at McDonald's? Are they talking about McCafe? What drives them to get coffee? Things like that. So working with those internal teams as well, and then taking those learnings again and pushing them outwards towards all the markets. So the key factors of a global function basically are the what, why, and the how, the relationship building. Um, I can't stress that enough. It was one of the main things that was in my interview, my job title, everything that I, I'm trying to do at McDonald's is being better together and building those relationships across the globe because they don't know the resources. You don't know what you don't know. So they don't know what we can do for them. But once we open up those lines of communication, we can figure out how we can help them better. And just the trust factor is a really big thing. So it's slow moving, but it's moving, it's progressing really nicely. Customer obsessed, obviously that's outward facing for our customers in general when you go into the store. But the customer obsessed for me, my customers are the market leads across the globe. So I want to be able to, I want to know what drives them, what their goals are, and how we can customize things to what they like. Even if it has to do with a global campaign like uh, World Cup coming up. So um, how will the UK um, be able to participate in the World Cup? And it's very different than how Brazil would participate, things like that. And then also, this is a big one, influence without authority. It is, we can't push ourselves on them. We could tell the US that we have 
um, you know, an idea of how we want them to run National Coffee Day and put together this whole um, data package and idea and say, hey, here, how about, how do you feel about this? And they could say, it's great, we're good. Or they could use it and maybe manipulate it. So you never know. It's, again, you're, you're trying to, like, show you're there for them, be there for them, and you never know when they would, they'll kind of bite back. But it's more of the influencing and the relationship goes back to the relationships because you can't influence if you don't have a relationship. Coming in, just strong arm is not the way to go. Um, that's the overview of what we're doing in Global. So um, definitely loving it. And any questions? <laughs> uh, do, you, do you find that there's challenges in finding more ways to be nimble and test ideas or allow flexibility um, in such a large organization? Um, there's challenges, whether you're a large organization or a small one, different kinds. Um, so as long as you have the, I guess, data behind it to show why you want to do this test, it's, it hasn't been that hard to show that we want to run a test. And um, they're pretty open to it, and especially going back to our whole digital transformation. So in that space, digital and social, they're very open to us trying new things and um, utilizing the space to the best of the ability. So it has, they've been pretty good with it from what I've seen so far. <laughs> um, being a, a franchisor, um, how do you control the branding within the social space? How do you make sure that your franchisees are adhering to your brand policies and that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's always a challenge um, when you don't have full control over um, a, a store because of the franchisees. But there's a lot of guidelines and guardrails that are built into the contracts. So they know what they're supposed to do. Um, and there have been times that the global team has had to step in and possibly remove a franchisee if they're not abiding by it. Um, so they're definitely very aware of it. Have, um, with your digital transformation, have you found that uh, that's, uh, that's opened McDonald's up to a new audience and a new demographic? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's, I, I, that's definitely the goal of it. Um, and I think it, it seems like it, there's, I don't know the exact statistic, but I know we have the Big Mac anniversary coming next year, and that's a huge thing because most millennials have never tried a Big Mac. So that falls into trying to push the demographic to the trial, er, you know, people try, test and trial so they can become fans and love the brand. Um, but it's, it's kind of still both. We have a huge, I mean, we have a family marketing team that has a huge push. So you still have that family side, um, but they're also trying to, yeah, with the digital reach the, you know, tw teens, tweens coming into their own. Okay. Uh, hello? Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> hello. So, I don't know if this is working. Okay, here we go. Um, here we go. <laughs> so how are you utilizing your uh, CRM data when identifying audiences within social? So are you moving those audiences over, or kind of how are you playing in that space? Um, great question. We have a newly formed CRM team for Global that's mostly focused on the loyalty program. Um, so a big difference, like I said in the beginning, is from the Global side, you're not necessarily 
attached to all that data or activation side where it's more like the US team would be the ones that are taking the CRM data and fo funneling it back into their social information. But yeah, I know they're doing it. I don't have details for you. I can, we can talk later. But um, everything that the US does, they relate it back to sales. So I know they're utilizing the CRM data very well. Um, but the global side, yeah, it's more of a loyalty focus for 2018 which will get the data, and then we'll be able to distribute that throughout the world, so, yeah. Oh. Hi, um, I was wondering if you could share at a high level what your strategy is in social, um, in terms of paid social versus organic social. Do you even bother with organic social anymore, and in what spaces, or do you put money behind virtually every post that goes live? Um, I, I'm just curious, because we sort of have an internal debate about that. Sure. And I work in SEO, so I okay. still see value in some organic. <laughs> so right. curious how McDonald's is handling that. Yeah, definitely. So it, it definitely depends on the market also. For the global side, we manage the joint business plan with all our partners, so Facebook, Twitter, everything, all the spends across the globe. Um, and then the markets take that actual amount and they are able to distribute it as they please. Um, as for paid versus organic, there, it's, it, again, it depends on the platform, but they, I know from the US side, I'm pretty sure they put paid behind, at least a little bit, behind almost everything. Um, there are other markets that don't have the money to do it, so they're still playing within the organic side, or they're, it, it's, it's definitely a whole range across different markets. Um, organic is not completely dead. Um, there's actually a really good case study I just came up with um, from the UK that did um, a really amazing, it was just one post, but it was an organic one that went almost viral in, in the UK because they utilized a new feature on Facebook. And that's kind of, I feel like, one of the ways to go if you're doing organic. You have to be ahead of the curve to make sure it's new and um, innovative because then you'll end up usually getting more um, engagement from that way. But there's, there's the mixed model. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Dana. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. This was our last summit in 2017. If you'd like to be a part of our events in 2018, please visit digiday.com slash events and learn more.